This episode of The Homilist is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. For over 75 years, Ozark Christian College has been preparing students for ministry. Ozark's 15,000 alumni are serving in all 50 states and in 100 countries around the world, carrying the gospel to every part of the globe as ambassadors for Christ. For more on Ozark's residential and online degrees, visit occ.edu. Welcome to The Homilist. I'm Jared Ellis, and this is a podcast about preaching. The threefold purpose of this podcast is to encourage you, educate you, and obviously to entertain you. Just a reminder, if you go to thehomilist.com, that is T-H-E-H-O-M-I-L-I-S-T.com, and sign up for the exclusive content, you can gain access to some inside information about some of the guys I've been able to talk to, their latest projects, upcoming guests, and a little section I call Brilliance, Breakdowns, and High-Speed Come-Aparts. Just last week in that portion of the email, I started a story entitled, Daddy, He's a Muslim. I appreciated all the responses I got about part one of that story, and I'm looking forward to telling you more in part two that will be coming out here in just a couple of weeks. So don't miss it. Get there and sign up for that. Today's guest is my friend Andy Turner from LeClaire Christian Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. He has been a highly sought-after speaker for many organizations and conferences. Probably the best way to describe Andy's preaching is to imagine a breathless little boy who stumbled onto a treasure chest full of wealth, and he just can't shut up about it. This is my conversation with my good friend, Andy Turner. Andy Turner, welcome to The Homilist, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm glad you're doing it. This will be really, really cool. I hope so. <laughs> so, tell me where you are, buddy. Okay. Uh, I am the lead minister at LeClaire Christian Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, um, which is about 15 minutes outside St. Louis, okay. uh, and uh, been up here for a couple of years now. So, Yeah. Good right times. On. Right on. So Edwardsville, mm-hmm. 15, 15 minutes outside of St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a lot going on in, uh, in St. Louis this last week with the Methodists. Were you a part of that situation? I was not there. I followed it on social media, but yeah. I was not there. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting um, conversation they were having. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, interesting conversation. Uh, what I didn't, what I didn't realize, what I didn't realize about um, the general conference. When they say the general conference, it it looks, and maybe you maybe you understand this better than I do. It looks as if that's kind of a general conference, meaning general worldwide. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it, the united part of the Methodist yeah. denomination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think the, do you think the, the, the vote would have gone a different way if it were, if it were just, just North America? 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it would have. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. It was an inter- interesting thing. I followed on Facebook. I have several friends who are, um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say friends, but, but guys I've known in, in ministry who are, who are Methodist and man, I'm telling you why they are, um, like that's, that's, that's all we're talking about. I mean, that is all yeah. we're talking about, you know? It's all that's yeah. that's going on. So, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so um, what's Will Williman was there this last week, so I figured maybe you two, you two were hanging out um, somewhere. Maybe he heard about you and was going to pick up sure. some, some Yeah, preach, I'm, I'm, preaching. I'm sure, I'm sure that, that was high on his list. Pre- preaching yeah. tips. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. You're a funny guy. I'm just saying, maybe he was. <laughs> Maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe he's going to get a hold of you. And be I like, think we do know. I think we do. Know. <laughs> Maybe he was like, "Yo, Turner, um, yeah. I got a difficult text coming up, and I need you to break it down for me just a little bit." I heard you're a lyrical assassin. Uh huh. Hey, uh-huh. Turner, let me tell you something. Before I met you, before I ever met you, years and years ago, my my brother-in-law said to me, "Yo, do you know this Andy Turner?" <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Andy Turner. He's like, listen, here's the thing you got to know about Andy Turner. And uh, I said, what's that? And he said, he he spoke for us um, at like a youth event or something uh, somewhere. Uh, you you would probably remember that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he spoke he spoke for us, and in the middle of his sermon, 
he broke out an Eminem line and he said, vomit on a sweater already, mom spaghetti. <laughs> if, if, if that's true, if that's true, I 100% botched that, I can guarantee. <laughs> no, listen, what was funny was I said, give me his number. <laughs> like, give me, give me this man's number. Um, while we're on the topic of this, I got something that's kind of, uh, uh, kind of on my mind. Um, maybe you can help me digest and I hate to, I hate to just take what's new in my life and throw it out on you and make you have to deal with it. Cause, um, I actually don't hate that, but that's what I do. I hate the way it makes <laughs> other people feel, um, when this happens, but, um, Levi Lusco, do you know the name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Levi Lusco. Uh, put a post on Instagram yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Maybe the day before. And in it, he said, um, Dr. Dre once said, the key to a good marriage is, and he listed all this stuff out. And then he came back and he said, I would add to what the good doctor said and say, these things are also helpful to have a good marriage. Mm-hmm. I've never listened to anything by Levi Lusco. Um, not because I'm mad at him, not because I don't know him. Um, right. But I just, I just haven't. Mm-hmm. The comment section of that post was bananas. I mean, bananas. I mean, it was like, it was like they thought Levi Lusco had absolutely lost his mind. Like there were people going to pretend quit his church and stop following on stop following him on Instagram. I mean, and it was like, you know what? If I, I think I'm just going to stick to the Bible, Levi. I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick to the Bible. I mean, quoting scripture. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely crazy. So as strange as this may seem, um, I've been praying for that guy like the last mm-hmm. two days because how sucky would it be to everything you do? I mean, for everything that you do and everything that you say. Yeah, but under a microscope, and you're just cooked for it, you know. Yeah, just cooked for it. Now, vomit on my sweater already, mom. Spaghetti. That line, hey, that built a friendship for us. <laughs> you know, Levi Lusco dropping a quote by Dr. Dre. I thought, you know what? That's an interesting. That's kind of interesting. I mean, th- I appreciate when a guy's just a guy, and he can say, you know, like I kind of like some of this stuff. You know, like right. my workout music is different than my, you know, my other kind of music. You know, and mm-hmm. so. How do we, how do we pray for, and view megachurch pastors? Wow, I off, off the cuff. I know. I'm sorry, but yeah, I have felt this way for a long time, regardless of the Levi situation or not. But so often, it seems like megachurch pastors are put through that ringer that that other pastors don't have to go through which makes sense you know in and of itself but i i think that so much of what people believe and think about megachurch pastors is just so incredibly unfair um to judge them on a line that that they say you know there there are so many pastors that um in a hot take culture they take you know, they, they take one line out of an entire sermon, which is a part of an entire series, and they make a judgment about this guy's theology and this guy's beliefs and this guy's eternity, essentially, you know, if this guy's a heretic or not, off of what, you know, essentially comes to one sentence in an entire book. And uh, I just think that's so incredibly unfair. Um, it, it frustrates me whenever I see that happening to preachers, preachers I agree with on most things and preachers I don't agree with on most things. I just think yeah. that's such an unfair thing to do to, to, to another Christian, you know, uh, yeah. whether they're a mega church pastor or not. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was, that was just a dark, and it was funny because, you know, I've never had that. I've never had that, that overwhelming, like, Oh, I feel sorry for a guy who has achieved this success or, who has planted this church or has expanded and, and created these these campuses? Which I know it's not just just him who's who's right, done that. Sure. Um, 
but I've never had that. I've never had that feeling, which probably says more about me than it, than than I wished it said about me. Um, but looking at that, and I instantly had this thing of like, we record everything we do. We record our sermons. We put them mm-hmm. all online. They're there for whenever mm-hmm. you know. And I and and I bet you, I bet you. I was talking to another guy this morning. We were having a very similar conversation, and um, I bet you, if I went back and I listened to a good portion of the stuff that I preached in the years prior, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I bet you I've made some major shifts in my life and my theology since then. Yep. You know? Yep. And I would I would sure hate to be held, I mean, probably even in my own personal development, my own maturity, there's so much that's under the gun, you know, if you're not careful, you know? And even if you are careful, there's so much that's under the gun. Anyway, I just felt bad. I just really felt bad for that guy. And I've been praying for that guy. And I sat down and made a list of, of several of those young, you know, mega church pastors uh, to where, and everything they do is just, now I got my own questions about some of the, yeah, some of the, sure. the, the methodologies and, and the way they do things. And, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, but the just questions is all they are. Mm-hmm. Just questions. Um, man, when I saw that, I was like, how would you like that? You know, your teenage daughter flips open Instagram and she looks up and she sees a picture of her mom and dad and it's loaded with, you know, 2000 comments on mm-hmm. everything that's wrong with your dad. You mm-hmm. know, like, man, that would just be depressing. That would just yeah. be depressing. Um, yeah. and, and it's such a depressing thing that the majority of it comes from other Christians. Yeah, yeah agreed. That, that, that's such a depressing thing. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, it'd be different if... You know, when you hear the, when you hear, you know, I've heard Joe Rogan do it. I've heard um, John Oliver do it. Um, you know, late night host do it, mm-hmm. and they will bash on the church, and they'll 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 beat up on, you know, whether it's mega church pastors or church in general or or mm-hmm. religious people, and they'll and they'll, that's that's one thing. You right. know, when it's when it's kind of coming from that place of, you know, what do you expect? Like they're looking for laughs, they're looking for ratings. That's what this is. But but Christians stepping into that place, man, and just getting them, man, I was. Yeah. That was that kind of tore me up. Kind of tore me up. So, what are the things? What are the things we? I mean, you and I both we've talked about this before in on, on in depth, really about you know the pressures of ministry that are already there. Not even talking about you know thousand, two thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand people mm-hmm. in a church or across multi campuses or or there's a pressure there that can really kind of grind a guy down into into powder at times you know um mm-hmm. and when you think about guys like this who are under that kind of pressure to where a lot of the branding of the church and a lot of what's there isn't this is what we do but it's kind of like we are him right you know? right like they're the face of the franchise and i mean they're getting i mean they're getting kind of kind of beat down on this. What are the things we pray for, for guys like this? I, I think joy, um, mm. rest, um, perseverance, and, and clarity of vision and calling. Yeah. Um, those things that they can come back to and hold on to that are just the reminder of why do we do what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the things that I have to come back to, you know, just like uh, at the risk of sounding overly spiritual or overly spiritualizing something, going back to those moments whenever it's like, okay, I remember having conversations with people whenever I was trying to figure out, is this what I want to do with my life? And just being hit with this overwhelming sense of there's nothing else I would ever want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, this is who I'm supposed to be. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And whenever you go through a hard time, just praying that people can come back to those moments to where it was so, so clear um, to them. But but like I said, definitely enjoy. I, I think rest. I think good family time and, and good time with friends, yeah. um, you know, that, that support system around pastors and church leaders to be strong. Um, I, I think those are things that would be good to pray for people mm. in those situations. Yeah, I agree with you. the The big thing, the big thing for me, and I'm glad you said it. The big thing for me is, I think, I think um, finding finding people who can stand in your corner. You know, finding yeah. people who can just stand in your corner, and like there, <laughs> there's there's no shortage. There's no shortage of mm-hmm. of haters. You know, right. 
There's no shortage of haters. There's no shortage of people who are going to find something wrong with you personally, going to find something wrong with you spiritually, going to find something wrong with the way you do ministry or the way you, you know, you know, uh, conveyed a, a point. There's no shortage of that. But there is a shortage of people who can stand in your life and say, look, dude, I've heard you preach better sermons, but it doesn't change me and you. Like, we're good. Right. Like, we're still right. boys. We're still going to go fishing. We're still going to go hang out. This has got zero to... Dude, you looked tired. You were sleepy. Like, that right. was the problem. The sermon right. wasn't bad. You were tired. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you and the missus are in a hook, but... Right. but you look sleepy. And so do <laughs> toss it off, like right. toss it off. like that kind of support. Um, that's kind of support is just, I mean, for me, uh, that's paramount. I mean, that's just, that's the thing that's got me through a lot of that kind of stuff, yep. you know? And, and yeah. I think the other thing to remember with these guys, man, these dudes are young, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking, we're not talking, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not to say that older guys can't screw stuff up too, but right. You're talking, these are guys that are trying to develop into men and become the kind of guys they're supposed to be and have a marriage and raise a family all underneath the public eye, you know, I mean, underneath that microscope, you know. So anyway, so here's, so let me say this. If anybody out there, anybody out there who listens to this knows Levi Lusco or Turner, if you happen to bump into him when you're running around with Williman or anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah sure. l- let Lusco know that that we're praying for him because... That looks like it sucks. Like that looks like it sucks in that situation. So um, we feel your pain, and, and we ain't trying to. We ain't trying to stab you. We ain't trying to stab you. So that's good, man. That's, that's rough. Anyway, so that's off the topic. Hey, um, um, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about uh, preaching style for just a minute. Okay. Um, I've been listening to uh, I've been listening to a lot of different preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to sit down and listen to their sermons, listen to their lectures, listen to their workshops. Um, and you hear these different guys who have just a little bit different, a little bit different flair, a little bit different uh, approach to the text. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. come in. Some of them like to come in and bring a really good introduction and paint a real big, pretty picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of make that the, the, the takeoff. And then off they go and they're, I mean, they're up, they're going, they're, they're dropping points like bombs. I mean, they're just, it's good. It's really right. good. When it comes to your style, I've heard you preach m- many, many times. When it comes to your style, any idea what you would call your style? What is the, what are the, what are the identifying marks of the way you preach? What's the thing you think about when you're outlining and preaching? I think the, my main concern and, and, and thing I'm trying to accomplish whenever I'm preaching is just to be applicable. Um, you know, not just give you information, but uh, be able to try and show and, and illustrate and talk about how this inf- th- this information can uh, apply to the way that we live our daily lives. You know, I, that that's really, truly, you know, my main, main thing. I'm not much of a three point preacher. You know, I'm more of a single point idea and, and just kind of, you know, go over that idea as, as much as I possibly can and try and drill into that as deep as I possibly can. Um but at the end of the day, if if I just give a bunch of good information, but don't talk about how this can impact the way we live, I, d- I don't feel like I've done my job. Mm, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's I think that's true. That's uh, I've listened to a lot of your stuff. You do that well. You do that well. It's a um, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing for for me, but but for other guys as well. When it comes to when it comes to preaching, sometimes application is the hardest part. Study's not hard, you right. know. Right. Pulling the pulling the principles, extracting the big the big ideas out, you know, dicing them down into you know bite sized pieces, giving us the Greek, giving us the Hebrew, like right. some of that is some of that kind of becomes the easy part. But why is application so hard for some preachers? I, I think you just said it. I mean, it's it, it's easier to just give a good lesson, mm. you know, and and just convey. A bunch of good information. Um, it, it's it's the other part of the message that I like, like you said. I mean, I, I think it takes more time. I think it takes more effort. I I, th- I think it it uh, makes you mentally go to a different kind of a place. You know, you have to try and put yourself in the shoes of the single mom who's mm. struggling to get by. Uh, you know, just just whenever you stop and think about the people that every single week are sitting in the congregation listening to you 
have the honor of presenting the word of God. You have, you know, marriages that are falling apart. You have people who have gone to the doctor and just found out that they need to run some further tests because something doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. You have people that they've just lost a job and their finances are, are looking stretched. You have people who are, or who, who, who have a child that they've done everything they possibly can to raise them the right way. Yet it seems like they just keep going further and further away from the way of Jesus. I mean, you have all these people in your congregation every single week, people who are lonely, people who um, feel abandoned, people who uh, feel like everything that's happened to them has been a wrong to them, people who can't see that they also are responsible for some of the things that are taking place in their lives. You know, Mm -hmm. you have these people there every single week and being able to get the Word of God to them and and how it applies to them, I, I just think that's important. And I think it amp- I think it amplifies the fact that the job that we have is not a normal job. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're a little bit removed from the from the from some of the normal employee employer work relationship. We're a little bit we're a little bit removed from that. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're kind of at a disadvantage on a lot of that stuff because it's kind of like, well, it's like the boss at the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't work in a factory, but it right. seems like it would, you know. And so I think that I think that probably amplifies it a little bit too. And I'm not suggesting we can't learn that, we can't understand that. And mm-hmm. um, uh, a guy I talked to here recently named uh, Jason Biasi, um, mm-hmm. he he is at the end of at the end of he and I's conversation. That's one of the things that he begins to talk about on on how we go into the community and we build these relationships and we have these conversations. And it's super insightful. I mean, he. He drops a couple of little bits out there that are just really, really sharp. I mean, just yeah. really sharp. I thought I thought were really smart. But there's not a lot of jobs that are similar to to what we do. And I think that probably puts us at a disadvantage as well. Uh, amplified by the fact that we have to shotgun blast, um, you know, a, a very diverse crowd and try to somehow. It's a good thing the Holy Spirit's on our team, huh? That's a fact. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real good thing. Real good thing. One of the other things I've noticed about your preaching is uh, when you say, and, and I would have never thought of it like you said it, but you like to be the one, the kind of one point and then just drill that as far as you can and just take that level by level. Uh, I would have never put it that way, but that's true. Uh, what I was going to say is that your, your sermons always, they're always in escalation. Hmm. Like it always seems like, like you are taking me to the next emotional level all the time, which is really fun. It's, and, and I've told you this before. One of, the, one of the exciting things about listening to you preach is I don't even really have to be excited about what it is, the topic, whatever the topic is, or what it is you're preaching about. You're so excited about it that I freaking, <laughs> I freaking get excited. And I'm just like, you know what? What are we excited for? I don't, he's excited. I'm excited. We're just, this guy's amped up. Like I'm amped up. Freaking get him, Turner. Get him. <laughs> and I like that. I, I appreciate it. You can talk about whatever you want to, you know, and, uh, uh, if you talk about it that way, like I'm on your team, like that's my leader. Where are we going? We don't know. But it's so exciting. That's what my church says every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are we going? We have no idea. We don't know. Uh, but that's that's a uh, that's one of the that's one of the things about your preaching that I really enjoy. That you, it is always there, and I think. I think some guys. I think some guys try to keep away from that a little bit just because they don't want to get the the emotional frenzy going. Um, which I can understand that. And I'm not saying we just need to get crazy with it, but there's something about if you're excited about it, and I can't remember who said it. Um, um, let's say John Wesley. You know, what's bringing all these people in? What's causing them to be so excited about what you're preaching? What's all the, and I don't remember exactly how it went, but basically the punchline is I, I light myself on fire and I let them watch me burn. Right. You know, right. and uh, which you've heard it, everybody's heard it, but it's it. That's a that's a great uh, that's a great picture of of uh, of what you do what you do in the pulpit because you do you do get excited about that stuff and then and then and then and then and, then, and here we go and I'm like yes this guy is amped up you know amped up um, it may not make any sense but he's excited no no, no it does it makes it makes good sense and your and your application is good um, but I uh, so here's the thing that I'm doing as I interview all these guys and I, and I learn a little bit about their sermon writing process. What I'm doing is I'm then taking their style mm-hmm. as best as I can, I can break it down, um, take their style 
and listen to some of the stuff that they do. And then I try to take some of those techniques and implement them into what I'm doing uh, week to week in my sermons. How cool is that? That's awesome, man. Yeah, you yes. are in a, such a cool chair right now to be able to I, talk about these guys. Yeah. And so, so here, let me tell you what's happened. Let me tell you what's yeah. happened since I've started doing that. I have, um, I have had, I've had two weeks within the last couple of months that I ended up writing two different sermons um, within the week because it was like, I like this and I like the way this teaches and this works, but man, I really want to try this guy's, this guy's style at this. And so take that one, set it aside rewrite it and then attack it that way. And so it's been a, it's been a cool it's been a cool learning experience for me on that side, being able to hear these guys talk about the way they do it. So um, I think yours is probably going to be next. I think yours is going to be the one I'm going to just, I'm going to take your style and some of your stuff and I'm going to, I'm going to get myself amped up and uh, see, we'll see. We'll okay. See then send me what you do. So that way I can, <laughs> I, I can copy yours. You know what? You'll listen to it and be like, dude, that's not even what I sound like. You know what? Lose my number. Just lose my number. Like I'm done. I'm doing, I'm doing no chance. Jokes. What are your, uh, what are your study habits when you, when you dive in? Because it, if you're going to have a sermon that takes off and then just continues to gain altitude as it goes along, mm-hmm. that must be reflective somewhat of your study, of your study habits, or the, or at least the way you process the information that you, that you, that you pull out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I try to read the text that I'm going to cover and six or seven different translations, you know, just kind of see what the different things are in each of them. Um, I generally will go to the message just to see how, you know, Eugene Peterson put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I go to a couple of different commentaries to, to see and to highlight and, and um, you know, see, see what all is being said about this text in, in that area. I, I really try to, you know, one, one of the things, if you look at it in that trajectory, I always try to, um, do at least a, a, a decent job of saying, Here, here's where we've been, and now here's where we're going. Yeah. And, and and so being able to understand the, you know, right now I'm preaching through the book of Hebrews and and uh, being able to cover, you know, j- just a co- continual reminder of here's what's taking place, here's who they're talking to, here's what we've already talked about, here's what's kind of going on in between what we talked about and where we're getting today, you know, and, and try and just get that trajectory going. But um you know, and then I, 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 I will go generally, and if there are different word studies that I need to do, go go and do those things. But it, it just always seems like, and and you know, I, 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 I just feel like that whenever you look at a chunk of scripture, there's always that that linchpin, almost, you know, that 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 hinge in in the scripture to where. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, here it is, here it is, here it is, but here's the answer, you know, gotcha. and, and, and then you're able to kind of take that. And and so, you know, I'll do some semblance of an introduction generally, and then I'll get into um, here's what the text is, and then I'll get to that 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 turning point in, in, in the text, I guess you could call it. And that's really the last 10 minutes of my message. It's just taking that idea. Here's where we were. Here's where we are. But here's what this means. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of take it and, and run with it from that direction. Are you or someone you know wanting to make a difference with your life, but you're not sure where to start? At Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, they help students discover the kingdom assignment that God has for them and then train them to carry it out. Ozark prepares students for all kinds of Christian service. Biblical communication, biblical justice, youth and children's ministry, counseling, missions, organizational leadership, worship and creative arts, and much more. Ozark's close community, Bible foundation, and commitment to service prepare students to take the gospel to every corner of the globe as ambassadors for Christ. And Ozark's affordable tuition offers a quality private Christian education at a public university price. Ozark Christian College, your mission is out there. Your training starts here. I'm always interested in, I'm always interested in, and how it plays out, because I I don't know if this is true. I mean, it seems to be as with some of the guys that I've talked to that we kind of we kind of have an idea of the way we want the sermon that we want the sermon to go. Oh, a presentation, a presentation style or form that that we're comfortable with. You know, right. you know, some of those guys like to sit down and do the thing. Some guys like to leave their notes, you know, in the office. Some of them, you know, just use the Bible. Some whatever it is, whatever your comfort thing 
is to where it's it's slow and it's just a slow migration from one side to the other, whether it's straight down the middle, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's heavy teaching, you know, right. I work, I work with a guy who, man, on the teaching level, Luke Bycroft, I mean, just detail, detail, right. detail. I mean, you, you cannot escape a sermon of his without getting every single bit of juice out of it. He's going to wring it dry, you know, right. um, that's valuable, you know, that's sure. valuable. And for me, what I, most of the time I I leave the pulpit and I think, dude, you were up there for 35 or 40 minutes. And like, you didn't like, there was so much more you could have said, you know, so much more. Um, So a lot of those guys, when it comes to the presentation part, it seems like, like some of that is already set in stone. They've kind of already developed their voice or developed their style. Just, Mm -hmm. and I don't like to use the word style as if it's a fashion show. I just mean it in the sense of, you know, they've kind of figured out their own, their own way of, of, of presenting uh, information. You know, right. um, but it seems like the study habits kind of reflect, reflect that same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about is you dive into the information, you just, you just consume as much of it as you possibly can. Try to get the heart of the, the heart of the message, look right. for that, that one thing, and then build your steam up based on where we've been, um, right. where we are right now. And then the little, what you call linchpin, this deal, and then it swivels and this is where we go and we're out of the gates and we're going. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I think yeah. that's very cool. I think it's very cool. Thanks for letting me process that out loud. That way, yeah, well, you pro- that, that's better than I could put it. So, yeah, that's no, good. That's, no, that's good. That, that'll help me when I'm writing my sermon this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this sermon is brought to you. Good morning, everyone. This sermon is brought to you by Andy Turner. Uh, we're at LeClaire Christian Church. If you don't like it, you can take it up with him. So. There you go. Send him my way. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we've had this conversation before, and I think since we've had this conversation last, last um, I think I have. I think I have shifted. I think I've shifted my thoughts on this. Um, I'm interested to know, uh, kind of about about yours a little bit. Um, when it comes to the devotional life of a preacher, mm-hmm. how much of the devotional life is a part of the sermon writing process? Now I understand all of life, kind of everything we read, everything we talk about, everything we experience, can, in some form affect or add to the sermon, um, or at least um, um, ins- inspire or, or right. direct, direct the sermon just a little bit. But, but how, much, how much personal devotional time and, and sermon research, can, can you compartmentalize those enough to, to have each, to have, each uh, to have them separate? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I try to, you know, and I, I think, you know, kind of what, what you're saying is, is so true for me as well. I, it's really, really difficult for me to read scripture and yeah, and not think of it in terms of how I would preach this. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Um, I agree. but I, I still have, you know, in the morning before I, I even get to the office, I, I try to, um, spend some time just, just reading scripture and, uh, listening to scripture. And, um, and then I get to the office and, and that's whenever I kind of go into the other and, 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 you know, there, there, there's times whenever I feel like I, I I missed the devotional aspect of study, you know, for, for a message, uh, you know, to where, Mm -hmm. um, it's really easy to not still look at this as, um, and see it for the power that it possesses, but just to see it as a means to an end in writing a message. And, and, mm-hmm. and I struggle with that from, from time to time or, or a lot of times yeah. um, to, to where I, I would love to. Um, and the silly thing is, I think it's pretty much as simple as just a simple prayer before you start that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sermon study part, you know, Holy Spirit let me see this, you know, with, with fresh eyes and, and, and let this change me as I study this now. Um, now I, I believe that's a prayer that the Holy spirit will honor. Um, but, uh, so I, I, I think that I miss some of the devotional opportunities that I have just in the weekly sermon study. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's sometimes a difficult thing. Um, when you pick up, when you pick up the scripture and you, you find something that's useful, 
the knee-jerk reaction is, ooh, I wonder who I can share this with. You know? Right, right. Um, ooh, I should do a series on this. <laughs> you right. know, something ridiculous, right. you know. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's really helped me with that. Um, and, you know, I don't know why it took me so long to figure it out. But if I let my, if I let my prayer life affect my scripture reading, so the things that are going on in my life that I pray about those things, you know, I pray through, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got a teenager, got a teenage girl in my house, you know? And so praying about a lot of things, you know, <laughs> praying about a lot of things, you know? Um, and the things that, the things that come to mind and praying for her and praying for my youngest daughter, who's, uh, who's 11, um, getting those things in my mind on these are kind of the heavy things that are going on in our life, the things that are on my heart the most. Um, and then being able to go to the passage, go to the, go to the scripture and read and God speak to me about these things that I've prayed about, you know, God speak to me about the things that I'm, that, I don't know why, I don't know why moving those around, you know, to where before mine was always just read and then, by taking those and switching them and, and having the prayer part first and then going right. to God, which honestly makes so much more sense for sure to, yeah. you know, pray and then go to God's word. It makes 100% more sense, but for whatever reason, it's never been the case for me, you know, mm -hmm. but moving those things, moving those things over and saying, you know what, here's the things that are heavy on my heart. Here's the things that I really need to pray about and then go to scripture and then, and then taking a moment to sit down and journal just the ideas that are there. And so it's kind of like a, like a two part, three part filtering process. Mm -hmm. Like, here's my thoughts, here's my heart. And then I'm going to put them out there and then, okay, so here's the scripture. And so letting it sift through this and then letting it sift through this and then letting it sift on the paper and then letting that kind of marinate. And man, that, that has really been a beneficial deal. A thing that I, I just really and I look, look forward to that time, look forward to that time in the morning to be able to just sit down and kind of unload and download some of this information and then look for a way for it to kind of be put back together. So, I mean, that was, that was a helpful thing for me, you know, and I think, I think before when we've, when we've had this conversation, um, I've always been one that, oh, and yeah, you know, sermon research and all that stuff, like devotionally, dude, I get moved, I get moved in the study, you know, moved mm -hmm. in the study. Um, mm -hmm. And that has served as a lot of devotion time, but I, I, it, I don't, I think that's, I think that's kind of a that's kind of a wrong approach. I think there's anytime we're we're using it as a as a tool and not something. This is a tool for somebody else's life, not a tool for my life. Right. You know? Right. You know? Right. I think that I think that's the danger. I'm not saying that's always the case, but man, I'm finding so much more. And maybe that's just a young thing. I mean, people are people listen and they say like, you know, wow, Jared, that's super deep. Yeah. How long you been a Christian? Like like four months. You know, or whatever. <laughs> you know. Um, no, since I was seven, seven. I'm just not real, just not real sharp, you know. So, um, when you get your sermon writing, when you get your sermon uh, done, do you do you read it to anybody? Do you take it to anybody before you before you preach it to the congregation? No, not not really. I mean, maybe maybe bits and pieces of it, you know. Um, uh, I'll generally talk to our worship minister. He he always wants to know what direction I'm going. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'll go to him and kind of give him some of the big ideas. Um, yeah, I mean, I, luckily I have a great staff, and so if I, you know, run across something that just completely blows my mind, I'll run out of my office and just go to start <laughs> telling everybody about right. it, you know, and right. uh, you know, and then there there are definitely times uh, whenever Heather and I have a chance, uh, my wife and I have have a chance to sit down and actually talk about d different things. Um, that you know, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll talk to her about different stuff. Uh, but just as far as every week I have, this as a routine. I, I, I don't have that, you know, uh, my, yeah. my brother would, would be another guy who at times, you know, if I'm stuck or if something like that, I, I might go to him to kind of get his input on, on something. So I have different people that I talk to, you know, periodically about bits and pieces of the message, but as far as going and in a sense, rehearsing the message for somebody or I, I, I don't do that. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the next episode that's coming out is with uh, Dave Erickson from Academy Christian Church out in Colorado. Um, he and I's conversation, we, we talked about the same thing. And mm -hmm. man, I tell you what, he really, really convicted me of, of, um, of, some, of some pretty heavy stuff. And, you know, he talked about how he 
he connected with with two other ministers mm-hmm. and i think over the course of like i want to say over the course of like 12 years mm-hmm. he he and and two other ministers got together and 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 preached this like the same series of sermons mm. um talked about the passages together mm-hmm. and, and talked about the talked about the pride that had to be put away and that that was such mm-hmm. a good thing for him Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I tell you what. So I, I, um, I got a hold of a got a hold of a guy here about ten miles down the road, preaches at a church, and um, and so we started meeting. We started meeting every Tuesday morning and doing the same thing and and talking through this stuff. And as a guy I trust and and um, talking through. And I'm telling you what, like that is like when you, <laughs> when you take a passage of scripture, you know, for instance, we just we just got done preaching through the Psalms, and. Mm-hmm. And and I said to this guy, I said, I'm, I'm going to preach through the Psalms. And, and immediately he was just like, oh, yeah. He said, how are you breaking it down? And I was like, well, I mean, I, I really really got that far yet. And he's like, oh, yeah. He said, you're going to break it down by, you know, I can't remember what he said, by by the writers, by this, by the mm-hmm. different writers. You're going to write it. You're going to you're going to develop it uh, based on praise, you know, uh, prayers, you know, salvation, refuge you know, um, confession of sin. Like, how are you breaking it? Like, I mean, the conversation just started and this guy already rolled out so many great ideas just in, in that, mm-hmm. in that short discussion, man, it's, that's proven very, very helpful. So that was a, that was a neat deal. I appreciate Dave Erickson bringing that up. Um, well, yeah, I had something similar to that whenever I was in Kansas with, really? uh, with Jim Freck. And, uh, I don't know if you remember, no Jim in, in Galesburg. And, and Doug Beatty, we would get together every week and we would just talk about sermons and stuff. And man, I've missed that so, yeah. so much. Yeah. What, um, what was the, what was the benefit? What was the benefits for you? <clears throat> I think being able to talk through what it, it, you know, and, and having somebody who, you know, you, you can sit down with and say, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. And they're like, man, that doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, and, and, and just having, that person there and, and those guys there to uh, be able to say, yeah, you know, well, here, here's kind of what I see in, in, in the text, you know, the study I've done on this, this is what it looks like. And, and I've actually taught that. And, and, and here's some of the application that I used and, and just being able to have those conversations with those guys, man, it was so, so good. And I, I would, I, I would love to have another team like that around me um, now. And yeah. maybe I just need to go find it. Yeah, well, that was that's how Dave that's how Dave Erickson ended ended the whole the whole dialogue uh, on that topic. He was just like, it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter you pray about it, it doesn't matter if you you pray and and God gives you a Catholic priest, you know, mm-hmm. you hook up with that guy and and you discuss God's word with that guy and you get some insights from him and yep. put your pride aside. And one of the topics that came up in that was just the idea of just how territorial preachers become when it when mm. it when it comes to the pulpit, you know, and I, man, I tell you what, I'm pretty guilty of that. I told him that too. Like, I'm pretty guilty of, you know, um, not wanting to hand that over. And and I understand there's a, there's some good reason for that. Um, your congregation trusts you, right. You know, your congregation trusts you, you know, they show up and, and they trust that you're going to, you're going to offer them something. And, and I think when you, when you, you switch that up and I'm not saying you don't, I'm not saying you don't, you just set out to make your congregation you know, comfortable all the time, but, Mm -hmm. but I think there's, there's some things you can skip past in the introductory part of the relationship, you know, to where, all right, it's you and you're going to preach and we know how Turner preaches. And when Andy comes up and he begins to break down the, we know that it's going, it's always going to go to this place. That's going to be whatever, you know, he's going to give us this challenge at the end versus when somebody new comes in and that can be a, that can be a little bit of a, an edgy, edgy situation, you know, for, Mm -hmm. I think, especially for congregations that get that get not that don't really get exposed to other kinds of other kinds of preaching. I think there's a little bit of a kind of a a dating period, if if I can use that as a metaphor. Yeah. Kind of a I'm not sure, just kind of need to listen, you know. So, hmm, yeah, that's good. Well, I'm telling you what, I've I've uh, I've I've gotten a lot out of I've got a lot out of his uh, his advice. I've gotten a lot out of his advice. Um, where are you when it comes to? We've talked about some of this stuff with uh, with some of the other guests, and uh, I think you and I've had this conversation maybe a time or two. And um, when it comes to self disclosure in the pulpit, how do you? Because we're young guys. How old are you, Turner? I will be thirty seven at the end of this month. 
37 at the end of the month. Right yeah, on. man. So we're young, we're young dudes, fairly young dudes. And <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're, we're holding our, we're holding our marriages together. Uh-huh. We're doing our best to raise uh, good kids who, who love mm-hmm. the Lord. Um, we're trying to keep ourselves um, out of out of harm's way, and mm-hmm. and still somehow take on this dangerous this dangerous job, being commissioned by, you know, the Lion of Judah uh, mm-hmm. to deliver this this message that you know he warns us in the beginning, like no one's gonna like you, like no one's gonna like you, like you're gonna they hated me, they won't like you, go get the job done. Um, so we know that the we know that the devil is going to attack us. We also know that our own proclivity to sin is gonna is gonna cause us some problems. What happens? What happens with us as preachers when we begin to feel the 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 pressure and and, and the the stress fractures of some of those things in marriage and raising children and, and maybe just the pressure of the job when those things begin to show up in our life? How do we handle those, or how do you handle those? In the pulpit, how much of that information do you let go out? <clears throat> I, I, I really try to pride myself in being a guy that um, is willing to be transparent, maybe to a the point of a fault. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I've had this kind of rule in my life essentially and i think it's something that um i I use it kind of for self-accountability in in, in a sense um but i've always just thought the easiest way to protect yourself from those things is don't do anything that you wouldn't be able to stand up on stage and tell your church about right and and i've tried to um, use that in, in, in my life, you know, and, and, and really apply that, that to me that do Heather and I have disagreements? Sure. You know, um, but I, I mean, not to the point that I would ever feel like I have something I need to hide from my church. Mm-hmm. You know, do I ever lose my temper with my kids? Sure. You know, but not to that point that I feel like I need to hide something from my church, you know? Um, right. And, and that's really something that at a very young age, you know, that kind of just made sense to me. Um, just don't do something that you feel like you need to hide. And that will help you a lot in being able to use your life as an example, as an open book um, to how you're still a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. And and, uh, and and how God is is working in me and, and and trying to make me into who He's created me to be. Yeah, you uh, you're starting to sound like my dad, Turner. You're starting to sound just like just like my dad. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> good. If, you, if you're if you're not going to be proud of it, then you probably shouldn't do it. Huh? You hear me? I'm like, okay, you want a tattoo? You want a stupid tattoo? Huh? You want that? You want everybody to see it? You're going to want everybody to see it in 20 years? I don't think you are. It's a dumb idea. You, know? <laughs> you need to think about that. You need to think about that. But, but I think that's good. I think that's good advice. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. You know, that's, uh, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. I, I just don't want to feel like I have to hide anything. Yeah. I, I think that's where so many ministers today get in trouble. Yeah. You know, you the, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen another megachurch pastor who has been brought down. I mean, in the last year, last five years, how many of these guys have have we heard? And, and as you read more and more about their stories, you know, and I don't say this judgmentally at all, but it seems like a big part of it is, is they started making decisions that nobody would hold them accountable to. And there was just more and more and more that they just began to hide. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the less you can do that, the the better path you're able to keep yourself on. Yeah. Is there a difference in uh, the anonymity of being in a smaller place in a rural setting uh, than being in a, in a, like a metropolitan area? Is there, is there more anonymity in, in for guys who can, you can get away with more? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I've been at least somewhat in both. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that at all. I feel like that I was under more of a microscope in small town USA 
then, you know, yeah. because I, I can go to Walmart today and maybe see three people that I know. Um, in Cherryville, Kansas, you go down the street and you're going to see 20 people, you know, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. and uh, there's a larger percent of the population that's going to your church. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I feel like that I was under more of a microscope there than yeah. uh, in, in bigger yeah. areas. It's, a, it's, a, it's as if the, the, the metropolitan area kind of, kind of a, carries with it a little more anonymity that you can, you can, you can hide a little bit more in those in places like that. And I'm not suggesting that these guys are trying to hide. Um, but you know, these guys that get in trouble, these guys that, you know, which <laughs> to, to first to assume that any of us are in a place to where, well, that could never happen to me or this could never, you know, right. like that's so that's, that's, sure. a, that's a stupid thought because we're, the devil wants to get us all, all of us, not just right. the mega church guy. He just wants to populate hell. He didn't care. Right. He didn't care how. He didn't care who you are. He's gonna right. come and get you. You know. Right. Um. And you know, I think about the think about the you know surrounding yourself with people who are gonna hold you accountable. People to where you you never outgrow your accountability. You know, you never become so powerful that. You know, and I don't know if we've had this conversation. One of the saddest verses to me, one of the saddest verses, and maybe scary verses, scariest verses, you know, in um, in, in in scripture, you know, in the in the season when all the kings go off to war, you know, in the season mm -hmm. when all the kings go off to war, David stayed home, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. and yeah. the stuff that just like <laughs> who somebody should have been there being like, yo. Like you're the king, right? You know, like you're the king. Like you're the you're the guy. You know, go. You got to go. You know, and that's yeah. That's a that's scary. That's that's a scary deal. I hate that for those guys, man. I hate that for those guys. <coughs> um, right. And and you know, just because somebody we see somebody you know fail on a, I was thinking about this with this this thing we opened with on that Levi Lusco thing. That you know what makes moral. You know what makes you know. Um, uh, being dismissed from a church because of moral failure or something like that. You know what makes it moral failure? The fact that you got caught. Right. You know, that's what, I mean, that's not what makes it a moral failure, but that's when we label it moral failure. You mm -hmm. know, for a lot of us, we've done stuff and didn't get caught. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we've been, we've, we've said things we probably shouldn't have said, you know, we've, um, we've done things we shouldn't have done. And, you know, we got ourselves in a bad situation and, you know, I don't know, I know guys who've been, I mean, all across that. I mean, if ministers get together and have conversations like that, that's, that's always on the table. Somebody's mm -hmm. always talking about something like that. You know, mm -hmm. that just, I just hate that. I just hate that. I think your advice is, uh, I think your advice is, is good. I think that's good. Um, when it comes to some of the pitfalls, some of the pitfalls, not just of, of morality, like we're talking about here, but, but the pitfalls of preaching, um, what are the what are some of the things that that you tend to you tend to fall into um, that uh, like for me like I struggle with I struggle with stuff that's like from the epistles mm. you know like preaching through the epistles preaching through you know books that are very uh, very teachy books that are you know principle upon principle upon principle like I struggle with that because there's so much of my person who is storytelling and narrative and character development. Right. You know, and so I tend to try to find um, the narrative inside of some of this stuff instead of being able to preach the principles. And that's kind of a pitfall for me. I have to be very careful not to. I mean, I will I will personify all kinds of stuff just to get a story out of, out of something, you mm -hmm. know, versus um, versus just teach the text. What, uh, what about you? What are some of the some of the things that you see there for you? I. um I am a very simple, simple guy, you know, um, and probably too simplistic <laughs> at times. Um, you know, I, I really, I think one of my biggest struggles, I, you know, what I was doing in the office today is I'm trying to plan out my sermon series for the rest of the year. And I, I was just looking at it and I brought our worship guy in and it's like, man, I feel like I'm just talking about the same thing over and over and mm -hmm. over and over again. And, and, you know, and I told him, I said, I don't, I, 
I, I think that what I'm talking about is like the most important thing, but how yeah. can I, you know, I, I feel like I need to kind of branch off and, and, and try and communicate this in, in, in different ways. And um, so, I mean, I, I think that's a, a big part of it. You know, if you're talking about just a place where you get stuck, you know, I, I get yeah. stuck on the last night of Jesus' life in, in the book of John. You know, you start around John chapter 12 and, and you work, work your way up um, through the Garden of Gethsemane. Like, I, I can get stuck there. I can get um, stuck in the idea of uh, how I feel like we've overcomplicated discipleship. And you you look at what Jesus says, you look at what Paul says, you look at what Peter says, you look at what James says, and, and it all really is the same thing that— uh, don't just say you love God, prove it in, in, in how you live, you know, yeah. and, and, and I can get stuck there. And, and I, I think that if you're ever going to get stuck, that's a good place to <laughs> get stuck. Agreed. Um, but, you know, just in, in, in the sense of, um, yeah, in, 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 in finding a place to where I, I just keep coming back to that place and not get, getting out a little bit, wider you know but uh on on a completely different page you know in, in talking about the pitfalls of, of preaching um one of the things that i've learned about myself over the years is that i'm just not as strong as i wish i was um you know i feel like i can preach for about four to six weeks of and and, and give you everything i have for four to six weeks um but after that four to six weeks, it's time for me to take a week and let somebody else have the pulpit, mm. you know? And um, so I, I don't know if that's kind of what, what you're talking about as yeah. well. But, but you know, I, I think that that's one of the things that I've recognized um, uh, 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 about myself, um, that uh, it, it is something that I wish wasn't the case. I wish I had the ability, you know, my brother— He'll preach 48 times a year. And, and I'm just like, I, 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 I couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and there are times though, whenever, you know, I, I try to go longer than what I probably should. And I end up being completely drained. It ends mm. up being draining on my staff. It ends up being draining on my family. It ends up being draining on me personally. And, um, so, you know, I think that those are two pitfalls that I kind of can find, can, can fall into just in two different ways. Yeah. Um, it seems like to me, uh, this is the thing I see the, the older I get and the longer, the longer I do this, I mean, the preaching week to week, um, if I rest at the wrong time, then rest doesn't help. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I, like if, if, if I go too long without the rest that I need, mm -hmm. pff, man, that even the rest, even I, I even resent that, you know, right. even like, it's right. not even, it's not even healing on any level. Like I waited too long. Um, and you're a guy, you're a guy that's pretty self-aware. It seems, you know, you kind of, you're kind of in touch with your, with your limitations, you know, um, like you, you've kind of got some of that stuff mapped out, which is, which is really, really good. Um, I work with a guy who is in touch with my limitations. And so, <laughs> so he's able to be like, Hey dude, uh, you need me to, you need me to fill in. You need me to, you need me to preach right. for you. Like, right. no, I think I'm doing, he's like, yeah, I'll take next week. You know? Right. Right. And it's yeah. like, Oh, it's like, no, you need, you need one off. I don't know what the markers are. You know, right. I don't, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what they are, but when he sees him and he says, Hey, it's about time. It's about that time. You right. know, I, I know that I must be in that place. You know? and, and I learned that from not taking the time off. Mm. You know, I, I, I learned that from getting up and trying to be a good steward of communicating the word of God and feeling like I'm just like, I'm not doing the word of God justice. Sure. Mm. God's still going to do his thing, but I'm not being a good steward of this because I'm fried. And, mm. and, and I hate how quickly I fry. Um, like it, it's embarrassing whenever I, I talk to other guys who are able to go, you know, yeah. for, for, for three, four months at a time without ever taking a, a, a message off. And I wish I had that ability, but I don't. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a, 
I don't know why that is. And maybe it's just youth. Maybe the older guys or the older guys look at us and he's like, hey, 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 you know what? You're cocky. That's your problem. You're cocky. You want too much praise. You want maybe that's what they would what they would say. But uh, I agree. There's these men. You see those guys who are just at it. And I mean, dudes I know who are. They preach at a church on the weekend and then like two or three times a month. They're on a plane and they're going to do an event somewhere else and then flying back. They got a young family. They got a wife. I'm like, how in the world, you know, how in the world? Look, my church isn't very big. You know, where I'm at, where I'm preaching, this is not a big church. And it's almost too big for me. You know, it's almost like it's it's almost that, man, like I would need a whole lot of supervision if Mm -hmm. I mean. And I have it here, and that's the thing I'm very thankful for. I've got a great men's group who, man, these guys are brutal, brutal. I mean, step into my life. Dude, sermon was good. Yeah, everything good with you? Everything Mm -hmm. good with you? You sure everything? You know what I mean? I mean, just really staying in my life. I mean, even the guy I work with, Luke, who steps in and is like, hey, about time for you to take a weekend off. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's something he hears, if it's something he sees, if it's um, I don't know what it is, but man, he's always right. He's, he's always right, but he's kind of got that intuition. He's kind of got that natural intuition. Um, I think this is a good, I think this is a good spot for us to, uh, come to, uh, come to the question. I like to ask these guys, um, anybody who comes on, um, when it comes to when this, the main thrust of, of, of what brought this podcast into, into being is, hearing the number of guys who were in rural settings and and the longer I've the longer I've been able to do this seeing the number of guys in metropolitan areas you know suburban areas who they get into ministry and they love what they do it's just like what we're talking about they love what they do and so they just hmm. turn it on you know full tilt full throttle um but then something happens and they find themselves stuck they find themselves struggling they find themselves in isolation they find themselves beat up you know even even guys like the bivocational guys who mm-hmm. man just trying to keep their head above water you know um what what kind of what kind of general encouragement can can you give to guys who are going to who are going to hear this you know who've and they've been tossed out they've been beat up they've been they've been you know mishandled by the church you know, mm-hmm. maybe they're in a place to where they can't they can't make anything happen. The only thing they can do is preach because they've got a board that just cranks on them twenty four seven, doesn't let them do a single thing. They got visions, they got plans, they got goals, they got dreams, and it's all snuffed out in the elders' meetings. You know, guys who are in these spots to where it just it's just that heavy weight. What kind of encouragement can you give these guys? Whenever I think about ministry, um, whenever I think about life in general. Uh, I, I, I view all of life as a stewardship. Um, mm. And I view my ministry as a stewardship. I view it as something that is not mine, but it's something that God has given me, something God has entrusted to me, you know, to use the language of the the parable of, of, of the talents, you know, something that God has entrusted to me to be faithful with. Um and whenever you look at your life and in, in, in your ministry in, in particular as a stewardship, it really begins to take a big weight off of your shoulders. Um, because no longer is it your job to grow the church. No longer is it your job to make everybody happy. No longer is it your job to... Um, have the most tweeted or talked about sermon. All of a sudden it's your job to simply be faithful with the opportunities that God has given you. Yeah. And that looks different for everybody. You know, it, it looks different for me in, in my setting than it looks for you. Um, it looks different for Aaron Brockett than it does for the guy in Cherryville, Kansas. Yeah. You know, it, it, it looks different for everybody, but I don't think that it changes the fact that all of it is simply a stewardship. And whenever you're talking about being a bivocational guy and trying to figure out how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to take care of a church? How am I going to to do this, this, and this? You have to figure out how to become a good steward of all of those areas, you know, and, and 
And I, I think that that you have to implement guardrails in, in order to be a good steward, whether it's financially, you have to implement guardrails to be a good steward financially. If it's ministerially, then you have to implement guardrails. You know, something that I've done is is I've I've told my my uh, leadership, I'm willing to give you about three nights a week and that's it. And, and the rest of the nights, I want to be able to be at home with my family. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's important. Uh, you know, every time that I, I, I preach, I, I view each and every message as a stewardship, just something for me to be faithful with. And, and, and then all of a sudden, the outcome of the sermon isn't necessarily on me. It's, it's just my job to make sure that I am prepared and that I am, I, I, I am filling it with prayer and that I am communicating it as clearly as I possibly can. And if I can do those three things, then I feel like I've been a good steward of that opportunity. Whenever I have a meeting with somebody, it's about being a good steward of that meeting and, and, and that opportunity to be able to pour into somebody's life or have them pour into your life. And I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. But I think the greatest encouragement that I could give anybody in ministry, anybody in life, I mean, take ministry out of the, 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 the picture. It's just realize it's, it's, it's something that God has entrusted to you. And your only job is to simply be faithful. It's a good, it's a good word, Andy Turner. That's a good word. I appreciate that a lot. Um, you, uh, all your stuff on, all your stuff online, sermons and stuff by you at Leclaire Christian, uh, LeclaireCC.com. Yep. Dot com. Yep. LeclaireCC.com. Okay. I'll post that on your, on your little bio. Um, um, thank you for thank you for doing this. I appreciate you. I love uh, I love what you do uh, in ministry and and in uh, friendships. And I like how you break stuff down. And it's helpful. It's super super helpful. So thanks for doing it. And thanks for coming on the Homilist Podcast and visiting with me for an hour. Man, I love you. I appreciate what you're doing for all preachers. And yeah. uh, th- this is a great thing. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to be a part of this. And I really really appreciate it. Yeah, no trouble. Thank you. Can we do it again sometime? Love to. All right. Hey, buddy, love you to pieces. Tell your family I said hello. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. We'll see you. See you.